You know, I suppose that this is being heard sometime around the Thanksgiving Day holiday, Darren, and it, it occurs to me that some family members might be listening to this for the first time. Oh, right. They're not familiar with what we do. I was also thinking that it's possible that we might be the very first thing that people say they're thankful for at the table. Like, if uh, if you're put on the spot, just say you're thankful for Dave and Darren's Top 5 Things podcast. And in a much larger sense, our morning show, which can be heard each and every weekday from 5.30 until yeah, 10 a.m. if you have to go around the table and you have to name one thing, mm-hmm. consider us an option. Right. Somebody else is going to take the good stuff like health, right? I'm just so glad that we're all together. Okay, great. Then when it's your turn, you go, well, I would have to say Dave and Darren's Top 5 Things podcast and in a larger sense, their morning show on Planet 93.9. The podcast is brought to you by, I'm thankful for this, Ah! Nature's Treatment. Mm. They are the only locally owned dispensary. They have two locations, Tech Drive in Milan, West Main Street in Galesburg. I'm thankful that they're open seven days a week. Both dispensaries offer recreational cannabis, and Milan offers medicinal. Keep that in mind. Mm, Good to know. Including topicals for localized pain. All right, number one. One. Number one. Number one. Number one. And this should be obvious. Okay, number one. Number one. 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 Number one. Here's a bad idea. Do-it-yourself dentistry. Well, never, never a good idea. Hello, although, Larry. Although sometimes you find yourself in a precarious situation and something must be done. And when that happens... An extraction? Do-it-yourself dentistry is... Uh, it is what it is. When you were a kid, did you ever do the gimmick where you would tie a, a string to your loose tooth and then uh, close the door with the, tie to, no, the string of a doorknob? I didn't do that. What I remember kind of doing is when I had a, a, a tooth that was loose... The memory I have is taking like the end, uh, like the handle end of a brush, okay. hairbrush, all right, and just kind of working and okay, push, so. pushing against it. That to, would be, to finally kind of get it, get it out. That's some do-it-yourself dentistry. Yeah, right it was. There. I remember doing the gimmick where because uh, someone had told me with a loose tooth, you're supposed to tie yeah. one end of the yeah of the uh, slam the door. Uh, one, one, uh, you take the string, you tie it to your loose tooth, and then you slam the door. Um, I remember doing it, and at first having some concerns that I was not attaching it to the right tooth. Well, I, and I attached it to several teeth. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then, and then I was, I kept like, I was ready to go, and I'm like, I really should double check. I this. need to double check. Is uh-huh. this the tooth? Let me let me try it again. Let me feel it with my tongue again. Right. Is this the wobbly one? I couldn't tell. I can't tell. Couldn't tell you. So then after confirming in the mirror, I remember this. I would I tied it to the uh to the door. Yeah. And then the the, the problem I had was I was not that bright of a yeah. child. I would push because it was a heavy door. Yeah. I had to push it insofar as I was, lean into I it. was walking along with the door as I closed it. Yeah, you maybe it. need someone else to slam the you door. You really do. And the other thing I think I might have utilized, and I know that this was uh, suggested as well. Yeah. To eat an apple. That was something that I did, and it worked probably better than anything else. Yeah. You eat an apple with a loose tooth and let the apple do the work for you. Right. That, I remember, that happened, it was two or three different times. And I remember I was watching Sanford and Son uh, reruns. I'll just by myself downstairs, and it was like, 
This will take get my an mind apple off of this. Yes, Grady and Aunt Esther will help me get my mind off of things. I forgot why I'm even eating this apple. <laughs> the apple's so delicious, I forgot I was doing this for a reason. It's a delightful snack, and this is a, a, a very entertaining episode. Shut up, dummy. I forgot, I forgot what I was even up to. Uh, behold the tale of the self-proclaimed backwards wizard. Francis Wharton was this gentleman's name. Francis Wharton may be the greatest do-it-yourself dentist of all time. Mm. Uh, also, maybe the worst. Rad G. Francis Wharton was a resourceful hunter and inventor. He lived in British Columbia. He was something of a hermit. Mm-hmm. He was one of those guys where he lived by himself out in the woods, yeah. and everybody knew, just leave him alone. He's harmless, but he's not someone that you want to hang out with. No. Right? This guy was a hunter who lived up there in British Columbia. He did not like having contact with the outside world. Sure. He would provide for himself and he would keep people at arm's length. This guy was in remarkably good shape, but because he lived away from society, because he was out there living in the woods, his teeth were not in the best of shape. It happens. To the point where his front row of teeth were really messed up. I mean, that's not good. I mean, that the get bad teeth that can affect a whole lot of stuff. Absolutely, they were rotting out of his head. Mm -hmm. He had no access to a dentist. He lived. He did. He 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 lived in the middle of nowhere out there in the out there in the woods. He did. He just chose not to uh, Mm -hmm. to go. So he got a couple of a set of pliers, yeah, and he yanked all of those teeth, this front teeth, uh-huh. uh, in the top of his uh, mouth, yeah. just yanked them all out. Oh boy, that's not the end of the story, because the the backwards wizard, Francis and who called Martin, him the backwards wizard? It's it that sounds to me like a name he may have given himself. Uh-huh. I don't know. That I don't have any information on. He pulled out the damaged teeth from the top of his mouth. Which were all of them. And then he went hunting. Uh-huh. He shot a deer. Yeah. Then harvested the deer's teeth <laughs> to make for himself a set of dentures. <laughs> Using a base of plastic that kept the filed down deer teeth in place. All being uh, held in his mouth. It's a good look. With household cement. You can, if you go to British Columbia, there's a a a museum where you can go and see this guy's dentures. He shot a deer and used the deer teeth to make his own dentures. And then he turned around and ate the deer. With the dentures. With his own teeth. That deer was killed and then eaten. This guy had the deer's teeth in his mouth when he ate the deer. Well, yeah, but the deer didn't know that. You can uh, see this at the Museum of Healthcare. When did this take place? In the 60s. <laughs> Kathy Karkut is the collections manager at the Museum of Healthcare, which has this guy's deer teeth on display. Oh. 
Oh, you don't want to miss it. If you're in that part of British Columbia. Well, no. You owe it to yourself. If I was there, I'd go look at that. <laughs> it's a thing I need to see. The collections manager at the museum up there in Canada where you can see his homemade deer dentures. Uh, she says, quote, I think he was just an unusual man. He was quite proud of his ingenuity, and he didn't need to go pay for dentures like everybody else. The teeth were made of filed down deer's teeth. Well, I got to file these down to make them look good. Put it, well, if I'm walking around with the deer teeth in my mouth, I'm going to look ridiculous. <laughs> they, were, they were put into a base of plastic wood and then held into place with household cement. He used the teeth for years. She, she says here he must have used a lot of polydent. I haven't seen a lot of deer teeth. Well, I mean, I see I, deer. Yeah. I don't get close enough to see the deer teeth. I'm looking at the dentures. Quite frankly, yeah. they just look like dentures. Yeah. Wharton was nicknamed the backwards wizard, a fairly well-known eccentric in those days. According to a 1960 issue of Guns magazine, War once survived a bear attack by scaring the animal off with a shot from his 22 caliber rifle. But the bear still managed to swipe at him with his claws. This experience inspired him to start designing his own guns and bullets that were massive. <laughs> Handheld cannons to fight off angry animals that he came across. And fight them off he did. You know what I need is a handheld cannon. Guns reported that Wharton in one case killed eight bears in revenge after one of them killed his pet ram. And in a bizarre role reversal, he would eat the bear meat with his deer teeth. <laughs> this guy was the guy who invented the T-shirt cannon. <laughs> Uh, they say if you're feeling uh, rugged yourself, the professionals are saying do not try this at home. No. Now, one spokesman for a dental association up there in British Columbia says he can't even count the number of things wrong with the story of Francis Wharton. But there is still something impressive about it. Quote, to try and get a set of dentures to fit the mouth is hard in the first place. I can't imagine making them with deer teeth. This guy must have been brilliant. That's what he was. Someone making their own dentures would need to make sure that they fit right to avoid ulcers and painful sores. You'd also have to worry about whether or not the materials are sterile. Yeah, no, these are just teeth I yanked out of a dead deer. Good enough. <laughs> I don't see what the problem is. Uh, if you or someone you know needs dentures and is having trouble affording them, you can go to a dental school or a dentist who will offer payment plans or deferred payments. Quote, I don't think going out and killing a deer and making your own dentures is a really viable yeah, option let's, these let's, days. Let's just I would ahead. not recommend it. Let's, let's, let's just go right ahead and just put an end to that sort of thinking. <laughs> if you're reading this and thinking, I know what to do. I know. <laughs> Terry Trickles. Don't. Don't do it. Do-it-yourself dentistry is almost always a bad idea. That's, uh, that's why I still adhere to the idea of going to see the dentist twice a year. <laughs> Call me crazy. 
Call me irresponsible. I guess I guess if I had done this, if I had made dentures out of deer teeth, I think the very first thing I would do would be to try to go to a dentist and see if they were fooled. <laughs> After. If you're able to fool a dentist with the deer teeth, now that's an accomplishment. Well, and if I was going to make my own dentures... Wouldn't I? Wouldn't it be better for me to f- find a different animal than a deer? What did George Washington use? Wood. That's what. That's what we think, but I don't think that's true. But I don't think he made. Did he make his own? The dentures. Teeth? George Washington, contrary to the popular myth that uh, George Washington had wooden false teeth, the dentures he used were made from animal and human teeth. He would buy teeth from his slaves. And then some of the other teeth were made from elephant and walrus ivory. Seems kind of big. Yeah, well, you probably had to file it down then, right? He's not walking around with wouldn't it be make, walrus tusks in his mouth. Wouldn't it make more sense to just, like, get monkey teeth? <laughs> Why would that make more sense? Because they're about the same size? Well, I mean, I just think it might fit your mouth better than a deer. Throughout his life, Washington employed numerous full and partial dentures that were constructed of materials including human, uh, and that would be slaves. It also says here that Washington probably used cow and horse teeth. Those are kind of big, aren't they? (laughs) Why the long face, father of our country? (laughs) What is... He's walking around. You should see that guy eat carrots. (laughs) Oh, hello, President Washington. Uh, hello. Hello. <laughs> number two. Number two. <laughs> number two. Number two. 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 Story here of a first date that went horribly, horribly wrong, although it didn't it ended up not really kind of happening. This just seems to me like one of these situations where I wonder if it would... It, if it's they say honesty is the best policy, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if that's the case here, or if this is somebody that cooked up a story that was just too wild. Uh, it, it begins with a, a young lady who is on one of these dating apps, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And she's. Do you think she's made arrangements to have a date with this fella? Yes. Say you were twenty five years. 25, 20 years younger than you are now. Okay. And it's tw- and it's 2023. Would you have been on a dating app? If I were younger and single, I'm sure I would. You would Every, have been. Everyone is at that yeah. age, right? Well, are they? I mean, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't it seems like, well, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to think like the, 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 the kids I hang out with that are half my age, I don't know that any of them are on dating apps now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's um, more necessary in, in different parts of the country. Like if you're in a bigger like, city and it's not as easy to meet people, I don't know. It's not as easy to meet people in a big city? I don't think it is. I think it's easier to meet people in, in a small town than it is in a big city. Which seems... Counterintuitive. Yeah. Well, I guess that could be. Everyone's so bustled. Right? It's just... I'll say this. Everybody I know that's still single that lives in Chicago, they're on these apps. Are they? Oh, yeah. That are like your age? Oh, yeah. Huh. I got a handful of 
friends that are still single at my age, and they're on these apps. And uh, Slim Pickens. <laughs> I'm looking for someone who looks like Slim Pickens. <laughs> it's an, it's an it's very, it's a very I, specific. Yeah, uh, it's my, a very specific kink. <laughs> okay, choo choo. Don't. Don't kink shame me. Don't kink shame me. That's the first thing that comes up on your profile. Don't, in in capital letters, don't kink shame me. Well, boys, I reckon this is it. And how many people, how many contacts have you had? Not a one yet. (laughs) Not one. You still want to lead with that kink shame thing? uh, My (laughs) buddy that is on the apps was showing me one time all of the... uh, you can go and you can look at the at the the, the potential matches, uh-huh. and he's like, "Go through these for me." He's like, "Don't push any of the buttons. Yeah. Don't don't like or swipe or yeah, whatever." Yeah, he's yeah. just like, "I want you to look at all of these uh-huh. profiles and then tell me and tell me what you find is like the the the, the, the string that ties them all together." Yeah. And I'm looking, and I'm looking. I'm like, okay, all right. Well, these are all these these they're, they're these, all missing these young teeth. Ladies. No, no, they all seemed lovely, but they all of them, every single one of them, glamour shots. No, some were were just you know, some looked just like normal pictures. Some looked a little bit more. Everyone's especially everyone's out. wearing a feather boa. Every one of these gals loves to travel. I love to travel. Every single one of them. Traveling is the worst. I love to travel. What you mean is you like to be in different places. The actual travel is a drag. He had me kind of as I was going through it. He's like, just say it out. Tell me what's going on with their with their profiles. Say uh, say some things out loud, and you'll see what I'm what I'm dealing with. I'm like, okay, well, this is uh, Alyssa. It says here she loves to travel. All right. Uh, well, this is Rebecca. Well, she loves to travel. All right. Let's take a look here. Here's Terry. Well, Terry loves to travel. Minute. You guys would make a horrible basketball team. <laughs> Consider yourself zing. Zing of the day. Do you even understand the rules of the game? This story ended up happening some time ago. Uh, Ariane is this lady's name, and she says she was on a dating app looking for love. Uh-huh. When she met this guy, she was 21 and he was 28. You see, Ariane had a thing for older men. As old as 28. I know. I guess when you're 21, 28 seems pretty ancient. Uh, She had a thing for older men. And while this guy was not particularly her type physically. Meaning? She did admit that he seemed smart, funny, and articulate. So they agree to meet on this dating app, right? She waits for him in a bar where they're going to meet. He doesn't show up. Mm -hmm. He doesn't text. Mm -hmm. No text to explain why he's running late, Mm -hmm. which is a red flag for her, and rightfully so. Is he outside? No, no. You're never in a million years going to guess what happens. Okay, what happens here? After a a half an hour of waiting at the bar, and this guy doesn't call, he doesn't text, she decides, over. pull up anchor, I'm out of here. Done. She says, a lack of punctuality is disrespectful. A lack of communication when you're late is even worse. Mm -hmm. But at that exact moment that she's going to leave, Mm -hmm. this guy comes walking in. He's in the bar. He walks in flustered and panting. 
Okay. So he's had car problems? He said to her, I would have called to let you know, but I went out dancing last night. Mm. I would have called to let you know I was running late, he says. But I went out dancing last night. My phone was in my back pocket, and I sweated so much from my ass that my phone stopped working. And do you know how many times I got flipped by the swing dancer? Eight, like eight times. That's why I'm crossed up. So what, do you want to make a federal case out of it? My phone doesn't work on account of my... You dance that hard. Butt sweat when I'm out there dancing. You dance that hard. I, I, when I sweat, all of the sweat comes out of my butt. It's the strangest thing ever. It's a, I think it's, like <laughs> a, it's a defense mechanism. <laughs> and he shows up sweaty and panting to this. So, like, so the phone just... doesn't work because of the sweat that happened last night. Now he shows up sweaty and panting. She's like, I'm out of here. Did We're you done. just get done dancing? They were not, uh, they were not compatible. No, as it turns out. Turns out this guy was a huge fitness fan. Ah, then why is his butt so big? It's not big. It's just sweaty. It's just a sweaty butt. Maybe he likes sweating. Maybe that's his thing. Don't kink shame him. He's into sweating. What? Now it's just getting sad. I mean, the reason I'm late and I didn't call you is my phone doesn't work. Because it was in my back pocket, and I sweated so much while I was dancing last night that it, it's like you, it was like I put my phone in, in a fish tank. I danced so hard. My phone is currently in a bag of rice in my apartment, trying to get the butt sweat out of it. Now, are we going to have this drink or what? Uh, I could really use a drink. <laughs> I'm dehydrated <laughs> on account of all the butt sweat. Yeah, they ended up. That was the end of it. They didn't. They didn't continue to uh, to see each other. That first date really didn't even happen. But that, in terms of excuses, that is a new one. Yeah, that is that's new. Keep that in mind next time someone's like, "Why didn't you call me?" The next time you need an excuse and you got no answer, <laughs> I got nothing. It's well, better than saying nothing. Would you believe I was out dancing last night and I had my phone in my back pocket? And the sweat that was pouring off me was such. I was dancing so hard that my phone caught on fire. (laughs) I just. You have to know this about me. If our relationship moves forward, I might like you. I might be fond of you. But I'll never, never love you as much as I love the dance. Don't stop the dance. Don't forget the dance. Why didn't you call me? With what? My phone is not working on account of my butt sweat. If you think about dancing, it's a very strange activity. In what way? Just moving around. You're just, what are you doing? (laughs) I mean, just what are you doing? It looks like convulsions. See... (laughs) I've I've heard that that when you when you have the discussion of it's things just, that you would like if a, these UFOs end up landing and we end up talking to people from other worlds yeah 
You think they'll dance? Dancing might be the hardest thing to explain to them. It's a silly, it's just a silly activity. Uh-huh. The music, <laughs> the music somehow. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just goofy. We play the music and you there's the music. something about the music that just forces us. It's just. To undulate. Yeah, we just can't help it. I just don't. It's just, I've always found it to be just kind of. Lose yourself in the dance, right? <laughs> it's just, I'm not going to call it dumb, but just silly. Uh-huh. It's just a silly activity. But the two things, like music and dance, have gone together I since know. the inception I, of both I, of yeah, them, Yeah, right? I know. The music I get. The music I get. But the dancing, I just, I, I'm a little puzzled by. <laughs> But if you had to explain that to a man <laughs> or from Mars, and you go, "This is what? What are they doing? What? What's with the what's sounds? And why are they all moving like that? Yeah, oh, that's right. that's a big part of what we do. It's and like it doesn't, it doesn't matter what culture, where on Earth you are, dancing to music is something that is just yeah. in our. It's like if gene. someone says, "I love to dance," I'd be like, "Why? <laughs> that is, it's goofy." I love the faces you make <laughs> as you explain dancing. It's like it's like the dumbest look I've ever seen you make. It's like it's like you're unplugging your brain somehow to really it's get like into you, the dance. It's like you've unplugged your brain from the brain stem. Right? I'm gonna dance. Hang on a second. <laughs> Let me flip this switch. It's just. Uh-huh. Do you agree with me at all? I do to a degree. I mean, I don't know. It, it, it is silly, but I like doing it. You like, do? Yeah. Yeah, I like dancing, sure. Don't dance for me. But it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just one of those deals where the thing with dancing is you have to do it for a little bit before you stop thinking about how stupid you look. Like, if you're just in your head the whole time, then it, it, seems, it seems silly. You have to unplug that part of your brain that cares about what people think when they're looking at you, you know? Well, I mean, there are other people who are out there dancing, too. It's just like, you're all, you, you, all look like <laughs> you all look like a bunch of crazy chickens. <laughs> but that used to be a thing not that long ago. Like, your parents... Would probably go out for a for a night of a dinner and dancing. I know they did. I don't know where you know that's not a thing anymore. They did. My parents used to go uh, to the. They would yeah they would go to the, the lodge or whatever someplace and mm-hmm. they would dance and they loved it. They did. It's like, well, it's I suppose it's a tiny bit different if you're doing like an organized actual dance. Mm-hmm. You know because then that's actually, but that's not even a dance. What you're doing is a routine. A dance routine. A, da- a dance, r- mm-hmm. but it's not. Let's keep. You're not free forming. No. When you're out there doing the fox trot, <laughs> just unplugging your brain, hopping around like a jackass. Yeah, I mean that is an actual regimented routine mm-hmm. that you're doing there. Mm-hmm. So that's some. Well, that's, that's why. Why? That's why line dancing is so popular. You're just following the instructions. That's like following orders. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You're not. You're not out there doing. Line dancing that you're making up as you go. <laughs> you're, out there, you're out there ablib line dancing. Uh, yeah, that's that's not a thing. See, that's but I'd like to see that as a thing. I guess mm-hmm. 
Just, about, just out there dozy doing your own way. Yeah, go down to the Sweetwater and just uh, tonight it's ad lib line dancing. It's just this is just total improvisation. Look at this. We're just look at this. <laughs> <laughs> People, people, just remember this event, as it were, is about three basic things. Music, good weed, and some heavy-duty balling. All right. I love it. Got to take You love it. dancing. I, I have fun dancing, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I when feel was the like last time you went dancing? Went out dancing was about two or three years ago. Uh, my wife had a friend who had a birthday, mm-hmm. and the plan was that uh, he wanted us all to go out dancing. He did? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, well, that sounds fun. We haven't done that in a while. And the problem was... This is the face I would have. This is the face I would have if that was being explained to me. So we were going out for his birthday. What are you talking about? We were all going to go out dancing. Where? Rock Island. You're going to dance in the streets of Rock Island? No, they have clubs. There are places you can go and dance. Such as? I don't remember the name off the top of my head. The Thirsty Beaver? Yeah, we were at Chantilly Lace. And uh, the issue that we had, the missus and I, was uh, we got there at like... I'd be done we, at... We, 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 we didn't, the party didn't start until 9 p.m. Oh, boy. And then we got there... I'm not liking the sound of this. We were the only ones there. Yeah. Nobody even started coming into the place oh, until midnight. Oh my gosh! And I think this was on a Friday too. It was like, oh, we're boy. we're on fumes as it is. You already put in a full day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, or at least she did. Yeah, there was. Hey, there was a time when being out at one o'clock in the morning on a Friday was was what I lived for. Yeah, but that that's long ago. So yeah, it was just a matter of by the time we actually got you to, lived for the nightlife. Mm-hmm. On the disco round. The nightlife was your life. That's right. The nighttime was the right time uh-huh. back in the day. But, you know, uh, circumstances have changed. And it's like by the time the dance floor was hopping, my wife and I were just looking at each other like, somebody needs to just come and shoot us. Let's yeah. get us out of here. Well, what are least, we doing? At, at least you both felt that way. Oh, yeah. At least you had that. Oh, yeah. Because even if you went dancing, mm-hmm. you go out there. <laughs> and I've done a dance. Uh-huh. I guess I've done a dance. I don't know if it's a sh- if it's a sanctioned dance. Um, I hope I didn't, you know, break any of the protocols. But uh, I'm done dancing now. But see, I'm Darren, not gonna dance all night. Darren, I've seen you dance, and I've stolen some of your moves. Darren does a thing at weddings, and it always brings the house down. And I I can't do it at weddings that I'm at with Darren. But I will do it when I'm at a wedding when Darren's not around. Darren does this move with his sport coat where he grabs the sport coat in such a way where it looks like someone else is grabbing it, and then he spins himself around. And you got to look the other way. And you're like, you don't even see it coming. No, you got to look the other way. That's one of my favorite dance moves. Yeah. And then I do it, and people are like, that is so cool. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just rhythm as a dancer. What it, it's a soul's companion. What, rhythm what, of the saints <laughs> is what it is. That's right. And I am the obvious child. (laughs) (laughs) Three. All right, number three. Number three. Number three. 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 First Florida story of the week. Florida. Let me put this up on the big board here. Hang on a second here. We can. 
So there we go. Now we're now we're in the right headspace for this. Mm-hmm. Woman uh, in Florida is claiming uh, that she was milked out of a fortune by a spy shop. A spy shop. A spy shop that was milking her paranoid delusions. South Florida woman claims her neighborhood spy equipment shop sold her a $1,200 pair of magnetic tweezers and a $214,000 home scan to detect hidden electronic bugs. That sounds pricey. Yeah, that's, uh, that's like two hundred and fifteen grand right there. She says that this neighborhood spy equipment shop sold her these and other exorbitantly priced products and services while she was suffering from extreme paranoia that led her to believe tiny listening devices had been secretly implanted in her body and around her home. By the spy shop themselves? No, no they were helping find the bugs, you see. The allegations are laid out in a lawsuit filed in Broward County. She says that this company took advantage of her condition, extracting progressively larger sums of money from her by feeding into her delusions. The paranoia she was experiencing was an unusual side effect of the weight loss drugs that she was on. Did the spy house uh, supply those as well? No, no. But they sure took advantage of it. So she's on weight loss pills. One of the side effects is paranoid delusions. The spy shop, I mean, if you're a neighborhood spy shop, I'm guessing a lot of your clientele are people that are kind of cooking some stuff up in their heads, right? Let me ask you this. Is that what Radio Shack was all these years? No. Is a spy shop? No. No, I think this is a completely different thing. We don't have any spy shops here in the, in the Quad Cities, do we? Well, if there are, they should be advertising with us. <laughs> the 8 o'clock. Now, will the commercials be regular commercials, or will they be like ciphers? The 8 o'clock hour brought to you by Spy Shop. <laughs> Need to spy on somebody? Uh, the lawsuit alleges here, quote, even after conducting multiple scans of the plaintiff's body, which did not result in locating any devices, the defendants continued to instill fear into the plaintiff and to misrepresent the possibility of devices at the plaintiff's person, vehicle, and home. The caseless counts of infliction of emotional distress, unjust enrichment, and fraudulent inducement. So she comes into the spy shop and says, I think they're listening to me. And the spy shop's like, we can run a a scan. we can scan that thing for a quarter of a million dollars. (laughs) And at the end, they go, yeah, you're clear. There aren't any bugs inside of you or in your house. No, you're okay. Better safe than sorry. No, you're just crazy. According to the complainant, the the complaint here, the plaintiff first visited this spy shop that's just called Spy Shop in Broward County in the fall of 2021. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Is it Spy Shop like S-H-O-P-P-E? No, it's not like Ye Old Spy Shop. (laughs) Ye Old Spy Shop. (laughs) She visited in the fall of 2021, preoccupied with the idea that an electronic eavesdropping device had been surreptitiously implanted in her ear. 
Oh, in her ear. And was causing her to suffer a nagging case of ringing in the ear. After charging her $500 for a body scan, the store suggested a more expensive scan to detect supposed military-grade equipment. You know what? And we hadn't even considered this. This could be military-grade. We did not check for that. <laughs> we, well, I mean, if it's military-grade, obviously, that kind of scan's going to run you a little bit more. The lawsuit alleges in early in October of 21, the store sold the plaintiff a set of tweezers for $1,200 cash, leading her to believe that she could use the magnetic tweezers to remove the, the device she was convinced had been implanted in her ear. Wow. So you're just going to let her walk out the door with tweezers and tell her to go ahead and poke those in her ear canal? The price of the services provided to the plaintiff rose from there. She claims that she paid the store $10,000 for a service and sweep in October of 21, the following month after she was released from a brief stay at a county mental health facility. Spy shop staff explained that they could have a scan conducted at her home and her vehicle. The November scan cost $214,000, and the plaintiff wired the funds to the businesses as directed by Spy Shop. The service involved the defendants and two unknown men inspecting the plaintiff's home with electronic bug-detecting equipment for a few hours while she waited outside. Yeah, we can't have you watching us when we're in here just making beep noises with our mouth. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> the lawsuit claims that the plaintiff's October stay at a mental health facility, which preceded the purported $214,000 scan by about two weeks, was known to one of the store managers, one Nancy Salvador, who had allegedly dealt with the plaintiff since her initial visits to the spy shop. The lawsuit alleges that while she was in the care of the Broward Health uh, Department, the plaintiff contacted Salvador and asked her to explain about the device in her head to the doctors to expedite her release. So Tell me she more. thinks she's got a bug in her head, she calls the spy shop. She's like, listen, would you talk to the doctors and explain to them that there's an electronic bug in my head? Because then they'll let me out of here. And the spy shop's like, oh. oh we can't. Uh, we'd rather not. The plaintiff's mental health later improved and her delusions subsided after she discontinued taking the weight loss medication. Wow. I just... The drug she was taking is something called fentermine. And it says here that psychosis and paranoid delusions in patients who take it are documented extensively. So, I mean, you look great, but you think there's the government listening to your thoughts. Spy Shop describes itself as a pioneer of the spy equipment industry noting that they opened their first shop more than 25 years ago. Oh, so it's like a chain? A business says here, we have helped thousands of people protect themselves with cutting-edge technology. We offer high-quality security cameras. Like this. For $295, it's a men's black tie with a tiny hidden pinhole camera. <laughs> Spy service. Glowing reviews of the business found on Google. One user saying of Spy Shop, quote, 
Their products, customer service, and prices are top-notch. Great prices, customer service, and an on-site technician. Do you think you're being spied on? If so, Spy Shop has a vast array of counter-surveillance options that can help you track unwanted video cameras, audio surveillance, and GPS trackers. Is there a bustle in your hedgerow? <laughs> if you don't want to find them yourself, Spy Shop can perform bug sweeps of your home, office, or vehicle. Our, our counter-surveillance team uses the most advanced bug detectors to ensure your environment is free of intrusion. That's right. Come on down to Spy Shop. We'll help you out. Ye old Spy Shop. I tell you, the, the best is when they come in and, and you think that they're crazy because then they just keep writing checks. Yeah. Tell them anything you want. <laughs> Have you ever considered that it's military grade? Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you. Just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that cash won't ch won't uh, cash. Oh yeah, no, we'll take your crazy money all day long. <laughs> I'll tell you this: your money ain't crazy. This is gonna this is gonna spend great. You think you're crazy? I got you crazy. That's well said. Four, 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 Colfax, Iowa. Ever heard of it? Yes, that's uh. Uh, over there by Mingo, Colfax Mingo. Look at you. Colfax is in Jasper County, not too terribly far from Des Moines. Sounds like an old-timey uh, country western, uh, maybe even like a, a, a cowboy. Colfax? Colfax Mingo. I had to look up uh, the name. Uh, the town was named after the then Vice President of the United States. Vice President under Ulysses S. Grant... Hmm was none other than Skyler Colfax. Hmm. So he was the vice president when they made the town there in, uh, in 1866, and there you go. That's, that's what it's named after. Yes, Colfax Mingo. There's a guy in Colfax who's just won a Guinness World Record title for his collection of pencils. He's got the world's largest pencil collection. Which, I mean, I guess Pencils that's of thing. all kinds, I yes. guess. In fact, Darren, he has over... 69, dudes! Yeah, 69,255 pencils. That is something. I wonder... Aaron Bartholomew of Colfax. It says here he held a public counting event during the summer with help from the American Pencil Collector Society. And he submitted the total to the Guinness Book of World Records with ample evidence. Do you think when he passes away, they'll suspect lead poisoning? <laughs> Here's the news in Des Moines, chronicling the adventures of this young pencil fanatic. An Iowan is a world record holder. KCCI's Nicole Tam has spoken to the man in Colfax, whose unusual collection wrote his name into the Guinness World Record. He didn't sound that impressed. No, if anything, he seems <laughs> mad that he has to read this story. He didn't seem thrilled with the idea. When you work on a news team, you get together, and there's the news director, and all the reporters are there, and, and all, everyone that puts together the news. You get to pick your news. stories? Yes and no. I mean, sometimes you'll pitch a story. You'll say, hey, I heard about this. I want to go cover this. 
or sometimes there'll be like an assignment uh, editor will say, we want you to, you go cover this story, you know, you're doing the school board, you're doing the fire. Well, I'm you, not even you're talking doing about the covering first... it. I'm talking about the, like the anchors. Do they get No, the... the anchors have no say, unless the anchors are, are sometimes. Like, I don't want to read this one. Well, sometimes, yeah, sometimes they can be producers of the news. So sometimes yeah. they have a little bit more say. How about you, you do this? Do. You do this one. I don't want to do it. Yeah, this, you could tell this cat at. Uh, not, Channel 8 in Des Moines, not, not thrilled about this Not story. impressed. I have to uh, imagine that the reporter's going to be a little bit more excited and here to the- talk to this Iowa man who has the world's largest collection of pencils. Back in July, Aaron Bartholomew invited the community to look at his collection as he counted every single one. It was a lot of work put into um, getting that event together and doing the whole count, so uh, it's really excited. The world record was 24,000 pencils. I knew numbers-wise that I could beat the record. His collection includes everything from local businesses, a 100-year-old pencil, even one with a high school basketball schedule. So he counted everything. What? Crazy! <laughs> what? Even one with an eraser. Bananas! and submitted the proposal to the Guinness World Records. Three months later, he received this certificate. 69,255 pencils is the new world record. Guinness has pretty strict rules, um, and so it was it was really exciting when I found out that everything went through and that it, it had been made official. That was awesome. While Aaron's collection rewrote the record books, he says he's already on the hunt for another pencil. And I'm still having a lot of fun with the hobby, so that's not going to change. The childhood hobby that started after a flea market with Grandpa turned into one for the record books. Apparently, Grandpa loves pencils. Never been on the news before with my pencil collection. Never been on the news with pencils. Got a pencil with the Powerball numbers on it. Scared me half to death. KCCI 8 News. I was news leader. Well, you're the news leader for important stories like that. Grandpa used to call me a pencil neck geek. Am I crazy that 69,255 pencils doesn't sound like a lot of pencils? Oh, that's a lot of pencils. Yeah, but for the world record? How many pencils you got? I bet I, I bet at my house right now I could get 30 pencils all day long. Really? Oh, yeah. I don't have that many. His pencils co- include commemorative pencils, advertising pencils, pencils designed to dial rotary phones, and sports pencils bearing team schedules. I will say, as a kid, at my elementary school, they had a machine. If you put a dime in it, you got a pencil, and they were NFL teams on it. Mm-hmm. And it was like a little slot machine. We would just keep trying oh, to get the Bears. Yeah. And you kept getting like the Seahawks or the Browns. It's like, ah, oh, come on, come on, come on. And when it would pay out with the Bears, it was like the biggest jackpot of all time. Because they would just, you know, just put it there and you just kept trying and trying and trying. Now, when the... you were a kid in elementary school, yeah. now there'd be like little tasks sometimes they would have uh, have you do at the end of the day. Okay. Like, I guess, clean the... Clean the chalkboard. Sure, maybe. Yeah. Did they ever make you clean out the? I was the, never the pencil shavings. No, that was a responsibility that would have been above my uh, pay grade. My abilities. <laughs> no, they were they were they were just happy to see me go. There was no stick around and help with anything. It's like uh, we've got we've got the superstar kids that'll help with that. I'm off to detention. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> Why don't you? I've I'm got, off to go home and not do some homework. What do you I, think of that? I, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to pretend I'm in the I'm in the school play. 
so that I can, you know, uh, I call, I used to call that triangulation where I would let people know, have people think I'm in a different spot than I really am. This pencil award holder says, I've just always enjoyed the stories that the pencils can tell. What I collect, that's what I collect, the stories. It's not just the plain number two pencils. Couldn't you buy, like, I mean, he's been, he's been at this his whole life. Mm-hmm. It just, if the old record, too, is only 20,000 pencils, it just seems like this is one of those things that I think I could have done if I got started early enough. Well, how much would 70,000 pencils cost you? I don't know. If you buy, you, and that is bulk, you are buying those in bulk. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden, I'm the champ now. They're but, all the same pencil. But they doesn't have, matter. They, I'm the champ. I mean, yeah, these pencils all seem to be different, but... So what? I got 70,000. They, they can't be all different, though, right? All right, I'm looking here at a 150-pack of pencils, 20 bucks. No one beats me. I'm the pencil king. These are colored pencils, though. Just regular number two pencils. Okay, here's 200 pencils for 20 bucks. So... I mean, come on. That's. I think it's still pretty impressive. Okay. It just seems like. Now I'm mad. Like if I would have applied myself, I could have. I could have had this pencil record. Maybe then I'd get some respect. You were too busy playing hooky. Number five. 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 Number five. Quad Cities Real Alternative Radio. And the Quad Cities, just for some reason, uh, gets cooler and cooler. Well, I know the reason because there are people who love our community, and have, have made it their mission to make things cooler and cooler. I would say at the top of that list, or certainly, uh, certainly top three, uh, would be our guy Sean Mahler from uh, Raccoon Motel. Sean, how you been? I'm pretty good. Top three, huh? Well, I mean... I'm kidding. No, <laughs> yeah. as, you know, as I'm thinking about it, it's like... Uh, Who are the other two? Pagracki's got to be it's, there, right? Chad oh, okay. Pagracki right, is absolutely sure. on the list, yeah, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm sure there are... Uh, a handful of others that you would say have really gone out of their way. Like, uh, look at all the work, like Dan Bush and those guys are doing to make things really cool in downtown Davenport. Like, there's there's plenty of people that are making... There's movers our, and shakers. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Movers and shakers. And now, we can add to that list a couple of uh, local boys who went out to Hollywood for fame and fortune and have come back home conquering heroes, Opening up a new movie house experience in downtown Davenport. It's called The Last Picture House. Joining us here live in studio, it's Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Welcome, fellas. Welcome home. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for having us. So so the the deal with you guys is, are, are you both from Bettendorf? You grew up uh, here? Yeah, we uh, we grew up in the, the Quad Cities in Bettendorf, and Scott and I have been making movies together since we were pretty much 12 years old. Um, started with our action figures, graduated to our best friends and family, and um, and then eventually uh, we're lucky enough to direct Adam Driver. But uh, but it who's, all started. Who's in easier Bettendorf. to work with, an action figure or Adam Driver? <laughs> uh, Adam Driver as an action figure. <laughs> right. Kylo Ren is in this movie. Yes. That's weird. That's an odd choice. So 
So you were making movies. You've always been making movies since you were 12 years old together, or you've met each other later on? Together. We, we, we kind of figured out early on we would either fail spectacularly or um, you know try to make a push to make this our career. And luckily, we had parents that still live in the area that uh, were supportive enough of this wild dream, but just been making movies together ever since. And to, to be honest, even when you're dealing with um, some of the, the bigger budgets that we're dealing with nowadays, feels no different than wandering around the Quad Cities and like going downtown Davenport, finding like a decrepit alley, getting your friends together, getting 50 bucks to feed them pizza. Like it's kind of the same vibe even on a, on a Hollywood set. So are you guys here in town? How often are you in town now? We're uh, kind of say we're transient. We were just in Vancouver shooting our last film um, just as of three days ago. And now we're back in the Quad Cities just to supervise the last picture house. So we're here and there all the time. But we, we love being in the Quad Cities as long as possible. So tell us about the new theater. So the theater, it's called The Last Picture House. It's right downtown Davenport, right next to the Raccoon Motel um, on Motor Row, which has been incredible in terms of the development of it. Um, but the idea of the, the Last Picture House is it's a place that is for everybody that wants to see a cool movie on a big screen. Um, we've got a community lounge that's a cocktail lounge. In the seasonal months, we have a uh, rooftop screening area where you can overlook the Mississippi River. Um, but the movies that we're showing there, it's some first-run movies, like we have the new Hunger Games movies. But right now, during our soft opening, we're also doing the last screening, which is like the last action hero, the last black man in San Francisco, the last detail, the last picture show. We're trying to do just really cool hand-picked screenings. Now, Thanksgiving, are you guys open on Thanksgiving? We are, we're soft open, so yes, we will be open Thanksgiving. See, I don't know if you can still pull this off or not. Yeah. But you know what a Thanksgiving movie is? The Last Waltz. The Last Waltz. Oh, yes. It's, it's been on our Waltz. list. It's been on our list. I don't know that we'll be able to sneak it in for Thanksgiving, although we will be showing planes, trains, and automobiles on Thanksgiving, you know, quintessential Excellent. Thanksgiving movie. And then you're going to do stuff, uh, you're going to have stuff when the weather gets nicer so that you mm -hmm. can do stuff upstairs, right? That's correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we have this rooftop, this amazing rooftop thing. It was like the, the whole theater was inspired by different movie theaters that we've seen around the world and different countries and Los Angeles and in L.A. It's, you know, they always have these like amazing rooftop screenings. You watch movies under the stars. And that was kind of the inspiration here. So we, we want to get people up there and 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 watch some classic films and some new films and, and with their friends and family under the stars. And now is the idea to sometime when the weather gets better and you've got that upstairs and everything, to also incorporate, was the idea to incorporate some bands as well, Sean? I don't know. I mean, we could do something like that. I mean, we're, we're kind of scheming on a lot of things, you know. I mean, we have some ideas as far as, uh, you know, uh, having people that score movies, you know, or, or uh, you know, like guys like Blake Mills, like a bunch of like indie songwriters that I love um, that work a lot in Hollywood and getting them here maybe and doing showing the movie at their place and then having a concert at our place afterwards. I think there's a lot of really interesting, versatile things that we're going to be able to pull off together. Yeah, you know, we got three pretty good brains, so we can figure it out. <laughs> you know, I, I was wondering, you know, all the places that you guys could have done this, and you're doing it back home, and I think I have the answer, but tell me if I'm way off on this, because, uh, you know, you could have done a very cool movie house out in L.A. or even Vancouver or Chicago or any, like, super big city, I almost wonder if you guys are doing it here because when you were the 12-year-olds making movies, we've never really had a place to go see cool movies. Are you guys almost doing this? Obviously, you want people to go and have this communal experience to see movies, but I also wonder if like 20, 30 years from now, we'll be talking to the new Hollywood director from the Quad Cities that was inspired by all these little pictures that they got to see 
at the last picture. I mean, I, I think that's part of it. Um, I, I remember, you know, being like 15 years old and Brian and I going to uh, like a horror movie on a Friday night at um, the 53rd Cinema and feeling that communal experience and wanting to tap into that. And, and I guess our fear is a lot of times at multiplexes that are owned by these corporations, like you're getting a transactional experience, but not a real experience that feels like it's handcrafted, that it's human oriented, that it's about um, the movies and not just seeing the movie, buying your popcorn and then leaving, but actually having a conversation about it and provoking some sort of um, you know, higher level of understanding of what a movie is or just feeling that enjoyment if you're going there with a the family. And so we wanted to kind of craft the last picture house that way that we grew up, I think. So Yeah, and I think there's so much we've always felt making movies in this area. There's so many talented people, so many talented artists really. And um, if we can, you know, kind of inspire the community to to create great work or be inspired by the films that we're able to show at the Last Picture House, like that's just like uh, that would be such a joy for us to 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 be able to do that. And and lastly, like the Quad Cities, they're a movie town. Like anytime you drive past a movie theater, the parking lot's always full. Like we people love movies here. Um, and, and we're certainly products of that. So we just, we're trying to share our love and, and spread our love of the medium. It but, sounds like there's going to be a mix of movies that you could see on 53rd street, but then also, I mean like 53rd street, we're not, we're not here to slam them, but they show movies because those are the movies that have been released. Whereas you guys will be showing movies that have, that are new releases, but also the movies that you're showing, you're showing because you love these films and it's important for people to see them. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking off the top of my head, like there's some there's some deep cuts like Martin Scorsese's uh, After Hours, one of our favorite films of his, but one one that feels uh, underseen and underutilized. And and so we, we want to start off and figure out, like, what's the vibe of the Quad Cities also? Like, what are people excited to see? What do they want to come see? And, you know, every now and then we might get a little more experimental with with some of our our. Uh, choosings, but that's only to to you know share the love that we have of these more obscure movies. But you know, at the same time, we'll show Office Space up on the rooftop, you know, during during the summer months, and and bring out special guests too. Like that's one of the keys is connecting what the Quad Cities is into the ability to turn a career in the arts into a reality. So we want an educational aspect to that as well. In a world that we live in, where I mean, people have big screen TVs and they have access to you know lots of movies. There is something to be said, and I think it, it, it's best experienced than, than, than having me uh, try to explain this poorly. I wish, like when I think of like David Lynch movies, mm -hmm. I wish that yeah. I had seen Eraserhead or Blue Velvet in a movie theater rather than <laughs> on a VHS from Blockbuster. Yeah. It yeah. would have made one of my favorite movies somehow yeah. way better. Am yeah. I way off? Oh, no, no. You're, you're absolutely right. You want to watch uh, Eraserhead with uh, 200 puzzled strangers who are all <laughs> scratching their heads. And then you want to hear that conversation when you enter the lobby where everyone's like, what was that? And, and talk about it. And, and we're trying to get back to that communal experience. The, the 53rd Theater, they, they've got these recliners and these like privacy walls almost. It's like the, the design of the auditoriums there kind of cut people off from each other. And for me, it's like, well, I can just do that in my living room. We want to create a, a space that's that's uh, where you feel uh, your neighbor next to you in a, in, a good, in a good way. You feel like that kind of like... Uh, you know the the old school uh, movie palaces that uh, that uh, we 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 all know and love. Like feeling like uh, you're you're there with you're taking a ride with your community and and you're laughing together. And when you watch a scary movie, you're screaming together. It's just so much more fun. I, I will add to that though. In in our big theater, which seats about 150 and has balcony and and 35 millimeter projection, we spared no expense on the audio. So yeah. you cannot get this experience even at the Cinemark. We have Dolby Atmos 
we counted the speakers. I think it's somewhat like 37 speakers hanging from every single square foot. It's the best audio in all of Iowa, maybe even Illinois. It's it's the best audio experience, and the, and the visual is one of the great experiences. So if you well. come and see like a, a movie uh, like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and maybe you've never seen that on the big screen, it's going to be unlike any experience you've ever had watching that movie, even if you've seen it 100 times. Is that times. part of the last uh, series that it you is. guys are doing? It is. I all believe right. it's screening this weekend and, and you've beyond. Ch- you've chosen well. Yes. <laughs> I think so much that speaks to like everything that I think we are kind of building on motor row. Like our entire little area down there. It's like, it's about curation, you know, like what they're doing for film is the same thing we're doing for music. It's right. the same thing that, you know, half Nelson is doing for food and stomp box and, and, mm-hmm. you know, the kitchen brigade are doing for food. It's what the drawing room's doing for cigars. It's what MRDC is doing for just, you know, cocktails and it's what Ragged Records and Trash Can Annie do for vintage and, 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 and albums and records and stuff. And it's like, it is about picking the right things and, 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 and kind of shaping something, you know, and giving people something that it's not just like rammed down their throats, you know? Like everybody that I book at the Raccoon Motel is somebody I'm handpicking and saying, I really want people to see that here. It's not because like, oh, man, I think I'm going to make a million dollars because that's just not reality (laughs) at all. But, like, everything that they're going to pick to put on those screens, whether it is a first-run movie or an indie film or, like, some documentary or something that, like, it's because we need to see it. It's because we need that in town, and nobody else is offering that for us. You know, the, the think, margins on movie theaters. I'm sure your accountants explained to you are terrible, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure when you said this is our dream, we want to do it. You had probably a, yeah. a line of people saying, "Are you out of your minds?" Well, we have a we have a long history of um, not <laughs> not not chasing where the money is and just tra- chasing what we believe in. Even in our careers in Hollywood, when we first wrote a Quiet Place, everyone thought we were crazy. And every time we pitched that movie, people thought this is a a disaster waiting to happen. And indeed, we thought that they were right, but we just loved it so much. We loved the idea and the concept that we just kept pursuing it. And Last Picture House is no different. It's just something that we we think is really cool and and, and love and believe in. And that's why why we're going for it. Now, when you speak about the, with the community, you guys have a pretty sweet lounge there, right? We do, yes. I yeah, mean, are yeah. are you guys done done with all of that stuff? No, I mean, again, we're we're in our soft opening. We'll have our grand opening happening uh, December 9th. Um, we'll we'll still be announcing the details of that forthcoming. But um, the idea is still in the weeks to come. We'll be putting up um, movie props that we've acquired. You know, we've, for instance, one of our favorite films of all time is Unbreakable, and we acquired like a clapperboard that has you know autographs from Shyamalan and Bruce Willis, oh, Sam wow. Jackson. Um, we've got props from various movies like Looper. We'll have costumes from uh, movies that you've seen on the big screen with your favorite actors wearing them. We're again, like Sean said, we're we're handpicking these specific curated things to create a movie museum uh, to a degree that has a rotating display of artwork. And so there's just hopefully a broader appreciation of the craft that is uh, filmmaking, where it's not just what you see on screen, but it's all the artisans that are behind the scenes, creating the costumes, creating the props, creating uh, the the lighting schemes. And also in the future, like bringing some of those artisans also into the Quad Cities to to educate, to share their experience. And, and if there's somebody here in the Quad Cities that wants to make a movie but doesn't quite know the path to take, maybe it'll shed a little more light on how they could do that. Now, do you have, uh, do you have something in place where it's kind of along the lines of, I suppose, like uh, Raccoon Motel, where there's like a, a friend's, of the last picture house? Is there some sort of uh, 
group or yeah, organization? We, we, we do have a membership, but um, I think one of the things that we want to do is like bridging as many organizations as we can, you know, throughout the Quad Cities and maybe start, you know, some sort of film festival around the area and, and just find programming that suits different organizations throughout so that we can, you know, keep finding, having a home for all these people that love cinema but have something that they want to put on the big screen. How much hiring are you guys doing right now? We've, we've got our general manager, assistant manager, bar manager, and we have a staff that's ongoing. You know, anybody that's interested in working at The Last Picture House, go to our website. We have all the information there. So. One of the things that I really like about what you fellows have put together here, too, is you were talking about the transactional nature of when you go to 53rd Street to see a movie. I don't live that far from there. So when I take my family to see a movie, we see the movie, right? Then you got to get out of there. And then we talk about the movie we just saw on the car ride home which for me is maybe five minutes. <laughs> and then we're done talking about the movie. You have very intentionally built that lounge so that we can go see the movie and then have a discussion either with the date you brought to the movie or, or other people. And that's so important. Like These movies are meant to be seen but also discussed and that's something that you very intentionally did with this lounge. It's so true. Yeah, we're trying we're trying to make the lounge a, a really cool hang, like just a cool place that you want to hang out with. It's littered with beautiful vintage artwork from movie posters all across the globe. And, you know, we're, we, we want to have like a series of kind of uh, like board games that you can kind of like play that are like movie related in, in, in the lounge area. And just like just make it a cool place to hang out and talk afterwards or beforehand as well. Grab a drink, um, hang with your friends, eat some food. Were you guys still in town when we had the Bruin View in Rock Island? We were, yeah. What Devin Hansen did with the Bruin View, I think that's certainly like an inspiration point for us. Um, we, we even screened some of our, our very first movies in high school that we made there, and um, it just felt like that, that slice of community that, that for us is, is, was dearly lost for a long time right. in terms of like movies. That's when I heard, yeah. you know, when I heard whispers that you two were thinking about doing this, I thought, Oh man, if it, if 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 it could be kind of like that vibe we had at the Bruin View. Dave and I yeah. saw we went in on a sunny summer day. Yeah. During the afternoon. Yeah. Went in there and saw sideways. Yeah. And, and, and knocked down knocked down two buckets of beer. Yes. <laughs> not wine, not wine. Not, not wine, beer. not wine. But came out of that place, it's like that was fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I remember uh, taking my family to see Sideways at the Bruin View. It was a perfect movie for that venue. I still can't believe I didn't see The Last Cub there. He had it for like 28 weeks in a row. Right. <laughs> it was right. insane. The Ron Santos story, I right. never saw it. Well, movies like that, important movies that that you know are going to resonate with Quad Cityans and, and movies that you want to share. I mean, all of this is now going to be available. You mentioned it's a soft opening that's going on right now. So things are... I guess this is kind of like when you guys make your movie and you have to show it without all the special effects. What do you call it? A rough cut? Is this yeah. like your rough cut it is. that's going on? Yeah, it's 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 everything. It's it's just seeing what's working, what's not working. Uh, you know, is a popcorn too salty? Is it too buttery? Like all those little things. We just want to make sure that we're getting the feedback so that we can really, you know, hit the ground running when we do our grand opening. Everything that I've heard from the people that have been in there so far with the soft opening last night, Sean, uh, you can back, back yeah, this I'm up. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say this isn't a rough cut. It's already like, pretty incredible, I was, right? I was in there this yesterday morning, and there were still ladders, and there was all the things. They were uh, worried sick, you know, that this wasn't going to, you know, work. And I was like, uh, by three o'clock, it's going to be awesome. You know, the same. I showed them pictures of the Raccoon Motel <laughs> the day we opened where there's a huge gaping hole in our street and big piles of gravel. I'm like, this is way better. Um, honestly, like I told them yesterday, I walked into 
the big theater specifically, and I was absolutely blown away. I think it is such an exceptional place. It, it's it's a really beautiful place, and we're really lucky to have it. It's it's very very cool. What's still to come, though, fellas? I know you've got like a laundry list of things that you're going to be uh, putting up there. Yeah, we've we, like when you walk in right now, we're we're missing our marquee that should be delivered within the next three weeks. So outside there is uh, no signage, uh, but we are we are open during the soft opening um, inside. We'll have illuminated uh, giant signs of the last picture house. We'll have our props um, that are right there when you walk in. The upstairs right now, like the rooftop, still under construction, but of course it's freezing outside, so I don't think anyone wants to spend any time up there. Um, but then it's it's other things that are kind of behind the scenes, you know, tweaking the sound, uh, tweaking our pre-shows. We're, we're going to create all these handcrafted pre-shows instead of, uh, you know, sitting and watching commercials. Like, we want to make it feel like, oh, you're in a, a cinephile's dream of, of watching Peter Bogdanovich talking in the 70s about making The Last Picture Show before you watch The Last Picture Show. So all those little, you know, handcrafted details, those are still in progress right now. Now, you're, you're not going to be doing this full time. You're, you're important filmmakers, right? So how often are we going to see you two? Um, more than you want to see us, probably, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we tend to be hands-on with things that uh, we're really passionate about. So we'll be around quite a bit. I mean, even like, um, you know, last night it was fun to kind of drop in on some of the first audiences and just introduce the the space to everyone. And, and, um, and, and so we, we want to be around. But yeah, we are also in post-production on our next movie and, and um, you know, can't um, say how grateful we are to be allowed to write and produce and make movies. So uh, we're also not going to retire yet either, <laughs> the, the, the day job. Did the, uh, did the strike kind of help you uh, have, find time to get this thing figured out in terms of like, because uh, you couldn't really be working on movies? <laughs> was, that, was that kind of... I, you're not going to go on yeah. the radio and say, thank God for the strike. Yes. I understand. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, did, did, did things work out? Are, are everything's I, on schedule? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you have the point of view that you look at every curse as, as a blessing when you can, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it helped free up some bandwidth so we were able to, you know, continue being more hands-on than maybe our interior designers wanted us to be. But <laughs> was, yeah, I mean, yeah. it was probably helpful to have something to do, right? You guys don't seem <laughs> like you take a lot of time off. No, no, we, we certainly need more time off, but we're, we're, we're very grateful to be that busy to, to be able to put these things out into the world because it's always about entertaining and like engaging with, with other people. That's what, what, what this you, whole thing is. What can you tell us about this movie that's in post-production? Uh, we, we can't say much. It's, it's a movie for A24, one of our favorite studios, oh and uh, I heard you talking about About a Boy earlier. Um, Hugh Grant is the star of the film. Oh, so, yeah. did he? Yes, he is. Yeah. Wow, right on. All right, well... Um, the soft open has happened. It, they are open. The if you website, can make it that Oompa Loompa again somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Lastpicturehouse.com is the website. And, you know, it's just such an exciting time to be a Quad City and, and to have Davenport, I mean, just firing on all cylinders like this. It's just, uh, it, it's just incredible. So, so thanks for the investment that you've made and, and bringing something very cool to town. 
And I guess now you've got a really cool place to show whatever you want to show, right? Absolutely, yeah. We're we're just really excited to be a part of downtown Davenport, which Sean, you know, started years and years ago, even with Day Trotter and then the Raccoon Motel. Um, served as, I think, a roadmap for for ourselves and many people in downtown Davenport. So we just feel grateful to be part of the neighborhood. Here. And you've told some of your Hollywood friends about it? I mean... Uh... Uh, yeah, Hugh is very excited, uh, especially about our 35 millimeter. He, he's telling us to try and open one in London. And we're like, just slow down. We're just, we're, let's get the first one off the ground. Right so, on. Yeah. Now, Sean, what do you got this week at the Raccoon Motel? Well, we got a really cool Void Church show tonight. Uh, a band that's on uh, Jack White's Third Man Records. Oh, cool! Uh, they're very cool. Hotline TNT. It's going to be a very fun show. Um, we got a couple really. Uh, we got a couple cool local shows uh, this weekend. Some people coming back into town for the holidays. Uh, Black Napkin and Muddy Ruckus are playing uh, day after Thanksgiving. Black Napkin on Black Friday. That just writes itself. Yeah, I mean, it's perfect. Yeah? Yeah, it's going to be a really fun show. Uh, we got a couple metal shows this weekend. And uh, next week we got uh, a real hot one on Thursday, Teenage Halloween in Hembry. And it's Lily and Madeline I'm hearing a lot about. Yeah, they've been around for a while. They're they're a big deal. They're really lovely, yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a fun show. I'd say Tuesday and Thursday are the hits next week. Well, uh, it's a super exciting time. Scott Beck, Brian Woods, Sean Muller, all of you, uh, keep up the good work. And anytime you fellas are in town, you want to come on and talk about uh, movies, we'd love to have you. Awesome. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you so much for the support. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. I didn't think it would be like this. You know, it, it occurs to me, Darren, what? that we too have much to be thankful for. Such as? Well, the people who just downloaded uh, this episode of the Top 5 Things. and They and are li- my favorites. And they are at the top of the list. Yes! You listened to it. You made it through to the very end. Thanks for uh, listening to Dave and Darren's Top 5 Things podcast, which is made possible by the good folks at Nature's Treatment of Illinois. You need to remember, they have the largest menu in the entire state of Illinois. And... Uh, They offer a wide selection of products for recreational use, including flower, vapes, edibles, and more. Do this. If you're an Illinois resident, sign up for your medical cannabis card through leafwell.com. You'll receive coupons and discounts. Until we get a chance to do it for you again, hang loose, you kooks. You stay classy and safe, Quad Cities. Come on, Quad Cities, representing. This is for the Quad Cities record spot. Davenport, yeah, we keeping it locked. Rock out, come on, and it just don't stop. East Moline, yeah, they keeping it hot. Uh. Bing bong. (whistles) Goodbye, sir. And that's it. The game's over, okay? The game's over. Let the new games begin. Stand clear of the closing doors, please.